The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. I think hope is like as a as a clinician, as a psychiatrist, and, and a person who does psychotherapy, like maintaining hope is like a stance that you you do. It's an active choice to to be in that. Well, hello there, my friends, and a big welcome into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt. I'm your host and looking forward to to spending a little bit of time with you here today. As always, I know I say this all the time, but I mean it. Whatever it is that you have going on in your world over there today, um, I hope that you're being gentle with yourself. And I hope that this conversation, this podcast, this episode can help serve you in some way. So glad that you're here. On the episode, we are talking about the process of exploring mental health medication. And I did an episode a while ago about my own personal journey with medication. Um, I share in there that it's been a very, very helpful piece of my mental health toolkit. And it's something at this point in my life that I take every day and have certainly gone through my own process of exploring medications, being on medications, going off of medications. And um, this at this point in my life is is what seems to be helping me the most. And so um, I just always like to name that because I know that there can be a lot of shame. There can kind of be a lot of stigma around meds. It can be a really hot button issue that people have really, really strong opinions on both sides. And I understand that uh, we all come into this conversation with a different lens, kind of a different approach, and and that's okay. But uh, the, the the intention behind this episode here today is for any of you out there, kind of in this process of exploring meds, maybe feeling overwhelmed by the process, needing maybe a little bit of guidance around that. I hope that this can help you in in some small way. We have Dr. Kyle Cedarmark joining us on this episode, and Dr. Cedarmark is a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. He is chief psychotherapy officer at Prairie Care in the Twin Cities, and I, I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation with him. I thought he did such a great job answering the questions that I brought up, and I think has some really, really good information, some really beautiful words around this topic. So... We touch on a number of different things. We talk about things like when to start considering medication, things to be looking out for in that area, where do you start, how do you even begin the process, Um, some of the common hesitations that people tend to have when it comes to meds, things like how does an SSRI work, like what is it doing in our mind to help us out, and also 
talking about things like how long can you be on meds and, and how that kind of looks different for each and every person. Um, I do want to just name that we, you know, the, the lens that we were kind of taking for this particular conversation was talking about SSRIs. And I know a lot of you have probably heard of that before. Um, totally okay if you have not, but those are kind of the classification of medications that are, um, I would say, from a non-psychiatrist approach or, or um, viewpoint, that there, there are some of the more common medications that are prescribed for things like anxiety and depression. Um, I know that there's a whole bunch of other medication out there, but um, that was those were kind of the particular meds that, that we were um, mostly focusing on in, in this chat here today. So just kind of want to name that for you. So let's go ahead and begin. I hope that you take away something from this. I hope that this serves you in some way. I, I know from firsthand experience how um, kind of daunting and, and just kind of overwhelming, like I said, this process of um, learning about meds and deciding if you want to take medication and all of that. I know how overwhelming that can be. And so um, let's go ahead and begin my, my conversation with Dr. Kyle Cedarmark. Dr. Cedarmark, thank you so much for being here. My we, pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time to chat. And um, and talking about, about medication here today, which I know can be a really loaded, big thing for a lot of people, kind of um, moving in that direction sometimes. Do you find that, that, that people kind of can have that response when, when talking about this? Yeah, there's so many factors that affect people's like willingness to take a medication or even consider taking a medication or allow their kids to take medication that it, it's just, yeah, you know, you hear just the gamut of, of different kinds of concerns. Um, and it's important also to consider just like cultural kind of background for folks. Some families are really into medications for treatment of, of things. Some families yeah. are kind of bootstraps, do it yourself. Some folks are really suspicious and concerned about pharmaceutical industry or psychiatry as an industry, yep. um, you know, all of which is valid. So there, there are so many different things that people are coming, you know, coming to the table with even before, you know, making a decision to prescribe yep. or not that you gotta gotta really respect and, and consider. And before we kind of fully dive into all this, and I know we have we have a lot of yeah. a lot of different questions to yeah. get into. I'm curious, what um, why do you do this work? What do you, what do you, what do you like about it? I know that's a huge question. Yeah. All my, it's interesting. This work is, um, it just really allows you kind of space and time to connect with people on a, on a really deep level. And yeah. to do that as a physician is rare, you know, just in, in our kind of managed care environment. Um, and I just think these these disorders of, of kind of the mind and of your experience and, and these challenges that kind of come out are just, they're endlessly complex. It's all gray area. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's 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 what's interesting. It's it's trying to kind of make some sort of sense out of these things that are just so difficult to, yeah. to kind of distill. Yeah, because you work with people that are maneuvering some pretty intense things, right, in their life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to get started, when when is it maybe a good time to to start considering something like medication? Yeah, and I, and it, it's interesting, you know. So you can you can approach that question a couple different ways. You yep. can look at it from 
And probably the best way to think about it is if there's a significant like functional impairment, if you are having symptoms that are causing a significant disruption to your quality of life or your ability to get things done that you value. Mm. Um, and, you know, probably also if you have, have, have tried other things first, psychotherapy, other kind of wellness approaches, and, and you're not getting the traction that you need. Um, or also, if you really do sense or see a, a trajectory that things are going downhill faster than, than some of those other things are going to um, kind of turn things around for you, then it's probably a good idea to start thinking about, um, you know, looking at a medication. Yeah, which I know can be a real process of kind of getting people maybe just to that point of like, okay, I want to actually go in and, and maybe explore um, starting some medication. Where do you start? Where's a good kind of first touch point for people to to reach out? You know, it starts in a variety of places. I think <clears throat> the right answer is probably it starts with your primary care doctor. Yeah. Um, but the real answer is probably that it starts with talking to other family members about their experiences, talking to other people in your community about their experiences, mm-hmm. siblings, you know, what what conditions run in my family and what do people benefit from are, are probably where people are really going. Mm. Um, and, and it's also very reasonable if you're already in a therapy with someone to, to bring up some of these questions about, you know, gosh, I'm really thinking about trying a medication, you know, and sometimes the therapist will even preempt that and suggest it, um, say, you know, go to your primary care doc or, you know, I know this psychiatrist and get in with them or this psychiatric uh, nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. As far as kind of some of the hesitation that comes along with this, what are the most common things that you hear from people? Why they they feel like they don't want to have that conversation around medication? I mean, I think it it there it sort of clusters with different personality styles and different kind of cultural backgrounds, and yeah. I think often in kind of results oriented kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know. Uh, pioneer mentality, Minnesota, it's, you know, it's that sense of, I don't want to acknowledge that this is a problem. I want to, you know, try to, you know, minimize and kind of defend against seeing it as bad enough to require some sort of intervention. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is not just a, you know, we're in Minnesota, but I don't think that's just unique to Minnesota. I think that permeates a lot of kind of Western culture. Um, So I think that, that just that inability to really own I deserve care and I need help now and that this is actually worth making a priority is, is one of the biggest things that I see. Yeah. And I know I'll name just a couple of them. The, a couple of things that I know I've personally experienced when, when kind of leaning into this process. And I know I've also heard from a lot of other people around our medicate is, is medication going to change me? Um, if you're somebody who really values like creativity and kind of being in tune with that kind of fears that medication might impede on that and we won't be able to have access to the to those parts of ourselves um, I'm just curious kind of what you would say to to those types of things and if you hear people kind of presenting questions like that to you yeah I, I hear that all the time um, especially um, with anxious people who are considering medication who are fearful that treating the anxiety is gonna somehow diminish their competitive edge mm. it's like my symptoms are sort of keeping me on the bun- on the ball and on the money and keeping me yep. accountable to myself. And, and I think it's, you know, it's a broader discussion. It's like, well, are you happy? Are you satisfied with where things are right now for yourself? Actually, the question I ask the most is like, well, is there room for improvement? Mm. You know, get out of that mindset of like, oh, my God, like, this is this is fine. 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 And kind of like 
take a step back and consider, can things be better? You know, Mm -hmm. can you be functioning better? Can you be less internally preoccupied? Can you be more mindful? Can you be experiencing things around you more, you know, with more richness and more depth? Um, So those are, you know, it's not about convincing people that, that they're sick. It's not about like saying that you're wrong. It's about, well, if there's room for improvement and there's options, can we at least talk about it? Mm-hmm. So you go in and you start talking with the doctor about this stuff. Um, I know there's a lot of different medications out there, which which isn't really, I guess, the the. it's not like your job to understand which medication you need to be on, right? That's something that like your, your provider will help you with. For sure. But what does that process usually look like of trying to land on at least a, a medication to start with? Yeah, and I, you know, the... You know, the most common, commonly prescribed drug class, you know, is is the SSRI or yeah. selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which are used for anxiety, depression, and can help with irritability or anger. Um, as for where does the discussion start with with your you know psychiatrist? Like in my in my circumstance, it starts with let me get to know you and try to understand you in a in a really kind of rich, multi dimensional way. There's the mm-hmm. biopsychosocial kind of way of thinking about it. On a biological level, is there like a medical issue that is causing your symptoms? That's really important to know. Do we need to order labs to make sure it's not like a thyroid issue or something mm-hmm. along those lines? Um, is there some other, you know, scary medical condition that runs in your family that we need to kind of talk about? You know, and then the uh, psychological level is kind of like, well, who are you? Who? How do you see yourself? What's your kind of ego strength or your ability to kind of tolerate difficult things like? Um, how do you relate to other people? What are these 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 kind of um, you know different aspects of how your your mind functions? What are your defenses? Like, mm-hmm. do you deny everything, or are you someone who like screams your symptoms from the mountaintop in a, a you know in a in a very accentuated way, or are you someone who's going to be more likely to minimize? Like, I want to know all of that as I'm getting to know the person, because then I can then help kind of tailor recommendations to at least my understanding of them. You know. Yeah. And then the last part of that is the social, which is kind of the you know, psychosocial uh, formulation of, you know, how does this impact your relationships? Who are you in relation to other people and yeah. your family and culture, of course, because that is just such a, a critical like underpinning to all of this. So this is kind of a technical question. An SSRI, like what is that doing in our brains is there a way to like in layman's terms like kind of describe what an ssri does with our like minds yeah i mean i think the standard explanation is there there's this hypothesis that you don't have enough serotonin in a certain part of your brain yeah but that doesn't really kind of explain very much to me and it doesn't explain why we don't just eat serotonin or or you know (laughs) do something else like that i mean it's more complicated than that but i you know i when i'm explaining to folks how these meds work I'm really interested in like, how does it help you make the changes that you want it to make? You know, how does this work alongside the psychotherapy that you're doing? Yeah. We know from research studies that there's a synergistic effect. It's a one plus one equals three for medications plus psychotherapy. So you're going to have an earlier response for depression or anxiety if you combine an antidepressant medication with psychotherapy, and you're probably going to have a more sustained response, and your likelihood of, of getting better is, is, is significant. You know, so it's, it's, it's better when you combine this. On a functional level, what does the medication do? Um, the way that I explain it to my patients is 
I, I, I talk about depression and anxiety and, and sort of what is similar about those two things and why would one medicine treat the two of them? Mm -hmm. So in my mind, the thing that, that really ties them together is this idea of rumination and going over and over stuff in your mind and overthinking things and overanalyzing and think about all the psychological energy that gets eaten up in that process. Um, and then I make a comparison to like previous generations of iPhones where if you leave like Google Maps or Waze running in your pocket, pretty soon you're going to have like a first degree burn on your leg because your phone is so hot. You're going to have zero battery there and your phone can't do any of its processing. And so you're thinking about that rumination as just this extra processing that's happening and you know, I don't need Google Maps to tell me where I am when I've been sitting still for like two hours. Yeah. And like, I think there's a similarity there between that rumination of overthinking and overanalyzing things and running these processes that just kind of burn you down and take away your energy and take away your ability to do other things. So in terms of the medication, the way I understand that it works and the way I think it works synergistically is that it, it helps to kind of loosen up that tendency to be stuck in these thought cycles and mm -hmm. stuck in this tendency to just go over and over and over. And it sort of helps get like an exit velocity. Like, you know, how do you get out of that? Um, and we know when you take the medication and are doing therapy, it becomes easier to challenge those those uh, thought distortions if you're doing CBT. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe uh, it's easier for you to start noticing things in your environment so you're less stuck in this negative mindset and more able to challenge that and see kind of positive things or see beauty in the world or see your yeah. children's faces. Um, and, it, and it can really help to kind of intervene and loosen that up. I, um, I've described it to people. Um, I, I, I take medication every day to help me out. It's been a beautiful tool. And... I, I've said before that it, it almost just feels like the meds are almost like this like gentle nudge that you know like like the same things still seem to kind of come up mm -hmm. like I still have the same things arise and yet what I've noticed about being on medication is like I just don't stay there maybe quite as long it's like this little like nudge that mm -hmm. kind of comes up behind me and just kind of moves me through whatever that thought might be or or you know whatever is coming up so that kind of seems to go in line with what you're. With what I you're think that's great. A bit. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, and it it it's like you know you think about we many of us have taken chemistry the activation energy to kind of get over that hump and challenge something. I feel like it just yeah. kind of gives you a little bit more of that to to do that for sure. How long are we? How long can you be on meds? That's a good question, and it's it's the the answers are clear when you've had a single episode of like uncomplicated, just major depression, and it's you know you treat it to remission, yeah, and then in about six months you get off the medication. Mm -hmm. So that's where things are like the most medical and the most kind of you know obvious. When it then comes down to like oh I've had longstanding generalized anxiety and this ruminative you know over analytical yeah. tendency since childhood. It really becomes much more nuanced and much more of a kind of negotiation and a discussion with your with your provider. Yeah. In general, there aren't any major long-term negative effects of staying on an SSRI antidepressant. And you know what I see a lot in my practice is that you know for 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 the most part, many people are recognizing this is this is you know kind of causing more uh, benefit than 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 harm for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, many people are also anxious about coming off of medications yeah. and losing that benefit. So I think it's sort of a, a bit of a negotiation and sometimes a dance of, all right, what if we taper off a little bit and kind of see where we're at, you know, mm -hmm. find a good time when things are kind of stable to 
drop to half that dose, you know, with, with some guidance and, and reevaluate things. You know, in the, the medication kind of prescribing philosophy is you want to be on the, the lowest effective dose because why take more than that? You know, yeah. why expose yourself to that risk of side effects? Um, but sorry, it's not more kind of clear. No, beyond and, that, yeah. that, and that's that what I expected thing. the answer to be. I think it just, it's just it's an individual decision and kind of case by case situation yeah. for sure. So getting started, I, I, when you initially start taking a medication, you know, maybe you're, you're totally new to this and, and you, you begin the process, how soon can you expect to kind of start feeling the benefits of it generally? Again, I'm sure that might be different for everybody. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what is that kind of initial startup? I think that's a great, yeah, like? that's a great question. And that's one that I, I think is really fascinating because there's a lot of misinformation and a lot yeah. of, a lot of harm done by people thinking, oh, if I'm getting better within the first week from my medication, then it's obviously a, a placebo response and it's fake and it's not real. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and that's actually not the case. A lot there, there's been research studies that have substantiated that people can start having a benefit within the first week of mm-hmm. starting an antidepressant medication. And that for the most part, that's a real benefit that's actually going to be sustained. And by the way, the placebo, like, why is that a problem? Why is it a problem that you start feeling better early on? You know, you know, are you feeling better because you have hope because you're on a medication? Are you feeling better because you have a slight bit more energy? Are you feeling better because you've finally kind of unloaded everything you've just been holding for so mm-hmm. long? Um, and also you're starting an active pharmaceutical agent that like does something like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's great if you start feeling better sooner. Yeah. On the outside, you know, the, the, the guidelines are basically if you're not seeing anything in that first week, you know, don't freak out. Don't worry. Give it time. And four to six weeks later, if there's still no benefit, then it's time probably to increase the dose of the medication unless there's a, a major side effect mm-hmm. or another real compelling reason to switch. Yeah. And, and something that I've noticed in myself, I feel like I've also talked to other people um, in my life about this, that especially if you, if you really struggle with kind of an anxious mind and kind of like that hyper awareness, mm-hmm. like when you start a med, like almost immediately after taking your first pill, you're like, you're I'm mo- dying. What, yeah. Or, or like you're monitoring every single body sensation mm-hmm. that's coming up and you know, is it working? Is it not working? And, and, and so that can be, that can be a lot initially mm-hmm. when you start the process. Yeah. And that's, that's part of that art of medicine and art of prescribing that I think is just so kind of fascinating, you know, so people who have that like somatic or body kind of yeah. preoccupation real ha- really have that tendency to scan their body all the yes. time. And again, that's like that's that Google Map thing. It's like ruminative body scanning. Like, <laughs> yeah. why are you wasting your mental energy on that? You know, it's it's yeah. and, and people can't control it. But it's it's like, you know, if we could, it'd, it'd be great to get past that. And I, and what I know from working with folks who have that that real tendency to focus on those body symptoms and, and get really nervous is that. These are the folks who are going to be more likely to get what's called the nocebo effect. It's kind of the opposite of the placebo effect. And these are going to be folks who are going to require more coaching. They're going to require more frequent visits. They're going to require more support around answering kind of like the, the questions that come up. Like, is it normal to feel tingly or is it normal to feel tired? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and in general, it, it's tricky because, you know, people who have like really, really high anxiety and really, really strong tendency to like notice those body sensations Often you have to start with a really, really low dose of the medication. But the problem is when you're doing that really, really tiny dose, you may be delaying the time to getting to an effective dose mm. 
partly just to kind of work around that tendency to be really worried about the body and and those that reactiveness. So it's it's a bit of a conundrum, but it's there's a way through it. Yeah. And one thing that I know I've found helpful is almost just to say, okay, I'm starting this. I'm going to give it a month, or I'm going to give like like almost committing to an amount of time that I'm going to give the medication a chance to really kind of start to work mm-hmm. or like because i feel like our minds want to be like okay i started it this morning if i'm not feeling great like i'm feeling this i should probably get off of it now and then you're you get almost in this like whole back and forth yeah. scenario of yeah, and everything that like effect that goes into like behavior change you have to consider when you're starting a medication too like it, it's hard to yeah. start a new habit it's hard to like you know, yeah. you want to start taking like fish oil on a daily basis. Good luck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's about it's about kind of reminding yourself of, of what's in it for you. It's also about really being clear about what's the potential payoff, and then setting reasonable goals and mm-hmm. kind of trying to create systems too, so you can stay consistent. Because for the most part, with SSRI antidepressants, you know, same day, same time of day, every day is is going to be your, yeah. you know, critical to success. So something I, I do want to bring up is the, and this was really true for me, like I'm somebody who really resonates with like holistic approaches to mental health. So like medication or, or um, meditation, very similar word, yoga, you know, trying to really go at this from a very holistic, you know, even like spiritual approach sometimes really, really deeply resonates for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a long time, I always kind of felt like, like, like that medication and that approach can't like coexist as one. And so the journey for me has been a lot of learning how to pull things from maybe that holistic approach and also learning that, hey, medication and therapy and some of the more like maybe quote unquote Western approaches to mental health can also serve me. Um, not really sure what my question is in all of this, but I just feel like it's an important conversation to have that you can be holistic in your approach and if you're taking a medication it doesn't mean that you're like cheating mm-hmm. i guess is what i'm trying to say like i feel like that dynamic <clears throat> right does, does is taking very... a medicine does it invalidate the other things you're doing does it somehow trump it all like is it doesn't it like... have to be this all or nothing either i'm holistic or i'm you know clinical and western in my approach which probably speaks very much to you're getting an insight into how black and white my mind can think sometimes. But <laughs> I just feel like that conversation of blending the two worlds and really letting, letting, you know, people kind of pull from pull, pull in what resonates for them is deeply important. Yeah. And I think, I think like the two words for that are yes. And, you know, yes. it's like, why, why does it have to be a, or, but, you know, why, sure. why can't it be a yes. And, and if you know, all these things have the potential to, positively impact your mental health and positively impact your sense of wellness and how you feel. And if you have a belief system that is invested in these things, if you are, you know, invested in in a spiritual practice that's critical to you, if you're invested in meditation, whether it's more on that kind of functional, I'm meditating to kind of clear my mind or on a spiritual level, like as a, as a doc, the worst thing I could do would be to like question that or be like, Oh, that's all BS. And you just have Mm -hmm. to take a medication um, and I think the field is, is, is really going in this direction of embracing the facts, like, and it is a fact that there's so much that we just do not know, yeah. you know, psychiatry, psychotherapies, you know, started with, 
understanding like like this basic concept that there is an unconscious, a subconscious. There are things out of your awareness that are true about you. Yeah. And like, whoa, you know, that <laughs> sure. that impacts all these other choices. Um, yes. I don't know. I used to be more kind of dismissive of non-Western mm-hmm. kind of practices. And then over time, you know, if you're paying attention to people, which I, I think I was and trying to, you realize like there's so much value here, you know. Yeah. Maybe chiropractic is what you need to be doing in addition to other things, you know. Yeah. And it is also like just to, to retreat a little bit, like it's still my duty as a you know a medical doctor to be like, there is an evidence base for this. Mm-hmm. You know, evidence-based medicine does sort of gravitate towards what's, me- what's measurable, and, and that's maybe a critique of evidence-based medicine. So it's tough to capture the entire experience you're having when you're meditating or when you're doing other things that are spiritual. But, you know, as a doctor, my role is going to be to guide you through that evidence-based medicine, to yeah. offer the evidence-based approach and the evidence-based critique, and also to, to recognize what we don't know. Like, there's been no, you know, randomized controlled trial on, like, Brian Pyatt doing meditation <laughs> and taking Lexapro or something. You know, yeah. it's, it, it hasn't happened. Yeah, hasn't sorry. Happened <laughs> They'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. I just think that's a really beautiful conversation to be having, right? Like, how can we blend all these different things, all these things? Because I think they're all they're all aimed at trying to do the same thing, which is helping everybody get to a place where they can show up for their life. Mm-hmm. And you imagine too, like being at a place where medications haven't worked. And I mean, does, is it ever appropriate for the psychiatrist to say, I can't help you? Yeah. You know, is that ever a place you want to be and in, in sort of that hopelessness? No, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, we need to be kind of rooted in evidence and reality in terms of the, the odds. And sometimes the odds are long, but also as a, as a clinician, as a psychiatrist, it's, it's incumbent on us to offer hope on top of that and to be creative and kind of, you know, seeking out these other things that could be beneficial. Sometimes it's a combination more often than not, it is a combination than just a single thing that's, you know, contributing to feeling better. Yep. As we, as we kind of start to wrap up here, is is there anything that you would want to say to somebody out there who is, who's having a hard time, you know, and it is maybe kind of overwhelmed with just this whole thing of, medication or just kind of looking for ways to um to really take care of themselves through whatever it is that they're experiencing out there is there anything that you would want to say to that person you know i i I think it's i i feel for that i feel for you and and how isolating that experience can be and i know it's from my vantage point i can see that it's common it's like so common that it's almost the definition of the human condition. And, you know, my hope would be that this this person, you, can talk to one person and try to get another perspective on what's going on and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, try to get a perspective on where hope exists and a perspective also on what hasn't been done yet and where there are options and, um, you know, just, just creating that one connection and trying to kind of develop some hope is, is, is my recommendation. Where do you find that like hope tends to exist? You brought up that word a few times, like hope. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it, it, it's everywhere if you're looking in the right places. And I think hope is like, as a, as a clinician, as a psychiatrist and, and a person who does psychotherapy, like, mm-hmm. 
maintaining hope is like a stance that you you do. It's an active choice to to be in that, you know. And, and so I think it, it, it's a choice to to maintain hope. And and you know, it's not saying that it's not a choice or that it's that's a choice to be hopeless. I think there's so many things that you know push hope so far away for so many people, but. Um, you know, choosing to be in that mindset and trying to challenge yourself at a minimum to be in that mindset or be around folks who have that tendency, even if they might be annoying about, you know, their optimism um, is probably probably where it's at. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for for this conversation and um, for being willing to, to come on here and, and, and help people navigate what I know can be at times um, a lot and um, we just hope that it, it helps people out there. So thank you. And is there anything that you want to add that I didn't ask you about? No, thank you for doing this. This is just great topics and just really interesting to, to discuss. Thank you so much. Once again, a big thank you to Dr. Cedar Mark for taking some time out of his very busy schedule to sit down and, and have a chat. So grateful for it. And I uh, also want to mention that uh, if you are enjoying these episodes, if you're finding them helpful, I would so appreciate it if you would take the time to subscribe, um, leave a review. Definitely, definitely very helpful if you do that. So just want to throw that out there here today as well. Most importantly, I hope that you take what serves you from this conversation. And I hope that you just go ahead and leave the rest. Um, be gentle out there one step at a time, my friends, and we'll talk soon.